1: Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke. And today we're here with Stephen Wells of the band Ghost Town. Stephen Wells is the singer, songwriter, leader of the band Ghost Town, which he formed in 1999. They've released seven albums and are preparing to release their eighth album, Menace to Sobriety. They've been playing for 20 years, and their music inspires bar crowds to drink and dance. Stephen's songs celebrate hard work and sweat a devil-may-care attitude, and another round of tequila shots. If you are seeking a honky-tonk bar band sound, Stephen and Ghost Town deliver that in spades. So I'm here with Stephen Wells, the founder of the band Ghost Town. Mm-hmm. And we're here to talk about a song called A Long Way From Graceland. Correct.
2: Basically, the song began with a dream I had. So I basically woke up and the concept was an, a uh, Wizard of Oz, kind of a theme. But instead of the house landing and you end up in Oz, I open the door and there's Elvis. And the I step outside as the lyric says, and then we begin to drive around and drink and do drugs with Elvis all day. So it's kind of a, a dreamscape, but I've thrown in some really kind of humorous and, and true to life lyric of certain things that actually happened to us or me, um, certain lines in there that are really funny. There's a line in there about doing mustard tequila shots that actually happened camping with with the
1: band members. I was wondering what that was. I don't think I've ever tried one.
2: Yeah, they're delicious. And I sold the band on the backstory on that is, uh, the bass player that just passed, uh, Sparky Tuttle, who'd been with us for 10 years. We used to camp and fish together and, and me and the drummer, Gordon, the drummer and, and, uh, Sparky and me were up camping and, you know, we're fly fishing. We get done with the day and we're sitting around the campfire drinking and drinking tequila and beers. And I went to, I couldn't find the salt. And it was dark out. And so I grabbed the mustard by mistake. I'm like, oh, that'll do. And you know, when you, you put the salt on your on your hand and you lick it, it was spicy mustard. I put that on there. Did the, did the shot. And it was the most disgusting thing you could imagine. But I sold it well. I was like, oh, man, that's so good. And I was looking at the other guy. This is so good. This is so you have to try it. You have no way. That's like, no, you have to try it. So I literally sold him into doing it. And they both tried it. And from then, it became a joke. And we actually sold other people in bars like we'd been in a bar and told people and they would go and order it and get mustard and try it because we and so it was this ongoing joke so I had to throw it in a song it was perfect for this kind of a, a lyric has anybody decided that tastes good no no no. <laughs> no no not at all but it's just a really funny story uh, that I kind of threw into this because it's, it's kind of a dreamscape uh, song and I thought well that lyric fits that reality fits right into the you know this uh, it's kind of dreamscape storyline and so what happens in the dreamscape? So, like I said, I, I show up and I, you know, land wherever Elvis is. And then what I do is I just jump in his caddy and we drive around and we do drugs and we do tequila, mustard shots and smoking carpet weed, um, which is big, goes way back to another true story that I, I was a friend dared me to put that line in because when years ago we smoked carpet weed and I swear it was a piece of carpet. He said it was weed. <laughs> But, and I, and I still to this day think it was actually just a piece of fuzz carpet. And uh, so it was kind of funny. And I said, I'm going to put that in a song one day. And this was five, six years ago. And so it just kind of, I'm like, oh yeah, he dared me to put that in. So the whole concept is just kind of real tongue in cheek, but real dreamscape and kind of cartoonish in a way. And you get a tattoo
1: along the way? Well,
2: no, I have, I put that, I, I, <laughs> in yeah, the dream. I have an Elvis tattoo. Oh, you do. So I, I threw that in there. It's like, you know, you know. You have more than one tattoo.
1: I have many. Yeah. And yeah. do you have more than one artist? Or is it just Elvis? No, just, Elvis. just yeah, Elvis. He
2: was the one that got me, got the ball rolling as a kid. I was just really young. My parents, neither of them played music, but they enjoyed music. And so it was always in the house. In the morning, I'd wake up, my dad would be drinking coffee, reading the newspaper and listening to music. And he listened to mainly classic rock and oldies. And so those kind of got stuck in my head as a, as a young, you know, child Elvis was like, whoa! and then I saw him on TV, and I'm like, he is the coolest guy I've ever seen. Still to this day, I think he's the coolest rock star ever, you know. A lot of those artists from that era he listened to, but that one, Elvis, for some reason, just really stuck with me and got me. I got got to do something like that,
1: you know. So So the melody of this song, I would not call an Elvis uh, melody. No, no. Who... Who inspired you? How'd you come up with the melody?
2: Um, Basically, I just sat down uh, like I do with all my songs I write. And I just, uh, sometimes I'll have a title. In this case, I kind of had a a blueprint because I had the dream. So I jotted down in the morning basically what this, what it was. It's like a, you know, Wizard of Oz, but Elvis instead of, you know, the Munchkins and all that. So I I had kind of a blueprint of what I wanted to create. So I thought I just started writing. And I, I think I came up with that chorus first and then I started basing the, the I went backwards and then got the verses and kind of started putting them together and that's where I'd start and some of these like the song like this I, I'm literally writing it and laughing I'm like there's a, there's a line in there about carpet weed who puts that in a song you know so it's kind of funny and tongue in cheek but and the melody I just start singing it and going oh yeah this is you know yippee and just oh yeah that's really catchy that's a, perfect on the chorus you know and, and then I just put the song together and then bring in the other guys and and say here's my here's my concept and then you know we kind of
1: tweak it a little bit so if your musical sort of muses are elvis are there musical inspirations from other artists on the the melody here um maybe not well there probably is but
2: this one is more of the storyline based off of elvis um I wouldn't say the melody line or the song itself has anything to do with Elvis, right? It's, um, but
1: is there someone else, like a Tom Petty or
2: no, no? Uh, it's it's just me, you know. And in most cases, when I write something, I don't think of another artist. But mm-hmm. as an artist, I listen to everything, mm-hmm. and so and I think that's why Ghost Town. You know, we've been around twenty, celebrating twenty years this year, and working on our eighth uh, our eighth record coming up uh, hopefully this winter, next you know next spring at the latest. Um, I, I think my, I I listen to such a broad amount of music. It just kind of all gets in there, you know, big melting pot. Yeah. Not not any one thing. As a, as a child, I grew up in Minnesota, Uh um, in in way up near the Canadian border, small mining town. And so we listened to everything up there. You know, you listen to, you know, we got into high school, you'd go to keg parties and they were playing Tom Petty and big kind of uh, Midwest rockers like Mellencamp and Petty and and Seeger and Springsteen and, Mm. and those. But at the same time we were listening to Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Van Halen and, you know, those artists too, which I love. And so it's kind of a melting pot and blues and it just, you know, just regular rock and roll guys like Brian Adams was really popular back then, you know, bands like that. You would just be like, Oh yeah, that's cool too. You know? So it was not like, you were stuck in one genre. I did find when I started to write music, I couldn't really write more of the heavy metal or the rock. I tried. That wasn't your voice. It just wasn't just didn't didn't feel like it was me, even though I love it and I listen to it and I still listen to that. It's when I started writing music, it just didn't come out that way. It came out more country, southern rock, you know, probably more of the Springsteen, uh Mellencamp Petty. Influence kind of came out in my writing versus, say, Iron Maiden or ACDC. <laughs> yeah, you know, because sure. you know it's just—I I guess they are more singer-songwriters, whereas the metal bands were more—they wrote it as a band and they a lot of riffs and that. You know, and I—I I just wasn't that talented, I guess.
1: <laughs> so you describe this sound yeah. as American twang, yeah, which is, in my mind, something different than those other. People than you've mentioned. In fact, you know more of a country sound.
2: Yeah, well, to an,
1: it, well and you well, we know, do. UbiA is a country. Yeah,
2: and we do. And that's kind of lyric. The play on it. We have an
1: album called American Twang, uh-huh. and
2: and that kind of to me that embodies everything that is Ghost Town. We're a, we're an American band, so we imply, but we're twangy. We play telecasters, and we and and I have all my songs are kind of have a, a country lyric theme to them. A lot of drinking songs, a lot of you know. Those kind of things, but we incorporate a little bit of blues, rock and roll and country. And to me, that's, it's kind of Americ- Americana, American music, but twangy. So that's kind of where I came up with that theme. And this, this, that specific song called American Twang kind of emulates that theme. Like we're American Twang, we blues, rock, country, you know, it's all kind of in a melting pot. And that's what you get with Ghost Town.
1: So you have a dream. You write the chorus. You fill out this, these verses. You come up with the melody, and then you go into the recording studio. Yes. How do you put that together? Who's involved in that?
2: Um, basically, I write the song, and then uh, we kind of it, it works differently on this last record. It, we did it really different than we've done in the past. On all the previous records, um, we went in as a band into the studio. We rehearsed the songs. We got them worked out. And we went in. Um, we worked with Matt Weiniger. I'm not sure if you know who he is. Um, he produced all the Ghost Town records, even this current one. Um, um, he engineered them, and, and so we'd go to his studio, and when he lived in Salt Lake. And so now that he's moved, we, we we're like, what are we going to do? And so I, I talked to him, and he said, well, just get get the tracks, and I'll mix it for you. And so. As you can see in this, we're sitting around, there's the drum kit and I've got other things and I've got all the recording gear. So I said, all right, great. So we went and we did it. Basically, I would record the vocal and to an acoustic guitar and to a click track and I would play the song in its entirety and bring the drummer in and he would play a drum part to it and then we'd get the bass player in and then we'd have the guitar player come in. We had multiple guests on this record. So I had multiple guitar players, multiple bass players, multiple singers. I sang all lead vocal, but we had a
1: lot of guests. On this particular song. On this particular album. But we're talking about this song.
2: On this, oh, on this particular song, um, it is a guest bass player. Who is? is? It was Johnny Lightfoot, who spent the last 10 years playing with uh, Air Supply. Um, and now he plays with, uh, geez, everybody. I mean, he he kind of, his, his uh, daughter was growing up, so he kind of wanted to get off the road. And so now he he's, lives locally, and we've been friends for 20 years. And so I said, well, come over and play something, you know? And so, hey, what are you thinking? And I told him kind of my concept on the bass line. All right, boom, and he played it. He's just extremely talented. And then the uh, lead guitar player is Brock Peterson, who's in the band, Um, The drummer was Gordon Gardner, who's a drummer in the band. We have two drummers, and uh, Gordon's the one on this one. Um, The bass player was Johnny. And then the singers, we had um, Walter James. He's a local singer-songwriter, phenomenal vocalist, songwriter, good friend of mine. He came over, and they were doing the yippee IA's up high, and then Neil Middleton from the band Royal Bliss. I don't know if, if you're familiar with them, but... They're probably Salt Lake's largest hard rock band, and they tour all over. and And we're really good friends. And so he sang, all these guys sang on multiple songs on the album, specifically on this one. So that's kind. Then so that was kind of the finishing touches. Like I need some different voices on here to give it more texture. Instead of me just singing them, it's nice to have somebody
1: else do it. It adds another element, I think, to the song. So everybody lays down their independent yeah. tracks here in your home studio. Yes. Use SoundCloud or something like that to or what Studio you, One. Studio One. Studio One. one yep. With
2: with the uh, uh, producer. Yep. Yep. And so, well, I'm I'm basically the producer. Okay. And then when we finish so, the tracks, then we we send it off to Matt Weiniger because you know uh, he's Matt Weiniger to mix it, to okay. make it sound good. So he adds all the reverb[s] and delays and all the you know compressions and all that. I just get the basic levels, make sure yeah. the levels are good, and the song structure is where we want it. Beginnings, ends, all that, and then everybody comes in, does their part, and we ship it off. And then he spends a week or two mixing it, and sends it back, and
1: and you release, and we're released, yeah. And uh, when did you release this?
2: Um, this one came out basically the end of two thousand seventeen, but it was more like two thousand eighteen. It was mm-hmm. in like this, right around Christmas two seventeen. So I call it two thousand eighteen because by the after the holidays is when everybody really started hearing it. And so. how's the crowd reaction? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. People loved it. They, they liked it. The, I got a, a lot of response of having, we've never done guest stars before. And so I got a lot of uh, excitement about that. Oh, you got this person, you got that person, this person on this song, and that person on that song. And, and it was a lot of fun for me and they're all friends. So it was like, it's like, Hey, having your buddies come over Hey, you know, come on over and play on this song. You know, I, we had so many songs uh, for this last one and my guitar and we're all busy. You know, we, we have day jobs and families and, and so not everybody had the time, and I had all these songs. So I called the guys in the band, hey, do you mind if so-and-so comes? No, oh, not at all. I don't have time to do 13 songs. I'll do nine. You can get, you know, farm the other ones out. It'll be fun. So, of course, now that they have to learn them to play them live, they're like, oh, I probably... <laughs> now it's a little more time. But but uh, it, it, the concept was great. I'm going to do a little bit of that on the next record coming out next year. Probably more singers on this one than actual other musicians. I just love the color, you know, of... of of having the harmony vocalist be a little different than me, whether that's somebody else in the band already, which we do, like you would do live, or just an actual sing, really good singer with
1: a good voice come in and, and we work out a cool harmony and, and do it. So, Stephen, at the end of the song, yeah, which is a rock song, up yeah. to this point you introduced Yippee IA, yeah. which is kind of country, country. It is country, and that's the reason
2: behind it, because the song is rock, so <laughs> I wanted to kind of put a country flair on it, and so I came up with a concept for Yippie A. Yippie Kaye is the the one what I stole it from, but I couldn't do Yippie Kaye, so I wanted to do Yippie A. And from the Die Hard movie, you know, when he does Yippi Kaye motherfucker. So I just kinda shortened it down, thought, well, that's great, that's perfect, you know? <laughs> so and and then once again, it's just a fun song. So I wanted to be really lighthearted and have fun in the concept. So I was just kind of looking for different themes and it worked out. Perfectly, because that's the big background vocals on that YPIA
1: And so your uh, song is inspired by a Bruce Willis character, Bruce Willis versus
2: Elvis, and you know, and different, different, uh, true to life things I've thrown in.
1: So we're here to talk about funny money. Yes. Tell us the backstory on funny money.
2: Uh, it's a pretty simple, uh, traditional kind of country theme, uh, but the evils of money. Just to play on words, funny money. And it's all about how money's not funny. How it can be, you know, just kind of ruin your life if you don't have enough. And I've never had a lot, but I imagine on the other spectrum it could too as well. So... It's just kind of about not having money, you know, having to pawn your guitar. Did you ever have to pawn your guitar? Oh, yeah. I I couldn't even tell you how many times through my life I've done that. Uh, Maybe in the hundreds. I've lost guitars and pawn because if you don't pay for them, you lose them. You know, the thing, you know, there's lines in there about... uh, you know, you get back to your your house, your apartment, and try the key and it doesn't work. You know, you've been evicted. You know, and you know it's like, yeah, isn't money funny? You know, you've had that happen to you. Um, yeah, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that so, feeling like? Oh, it's a horrible feeling. You know, it's 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 you know. To I would say I'd rather have that than have to pawn a guitar again. I'm kind of in a spot now. I don't. I don't have to worry about that, but. uh But yeah, it's just basically about the evils of money, you know. I think in the first verse, I talk about a woman leaving you because you don't have enough money, you know. And so the song is kind of sung to her like, you know, ain't uh, money funny, but honey, I I don't have much, you know. Because that's kind of a stereotype, you know. Like, oh, he's got money. That's how he keeps the woman, you know. So I kind of threw that in because it was a good line, but, you know. uh,
1: You talk about pawning a Gibson guitar. Is that the... You you play a lot of different types of guitars. I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, why the Gibson in the song? Is that?
2: uh well, I I have two of them. My uh, my two main acoustic guitars are Gibsons.
1: Um, the see. ones right here. The other one. So that's has, like your biggest treasure. Is that? Yeah. Is there yeah. more meaning to the Gibson than the Telecaster? Well, or, it, you or... know,
2: and it just adds color to the lyric. Uh-huh. You Not know, to to specify. You know, instead of saying I pawn my guitar, yeah. pawn pawn my Gibson. And most people, even if you don't play music, you know what a Gibson guitar is. Yeah. So. There it isn't too obscure of a reference, but it, it kinda colors it like, oh man, he gives him that.
1: It's not cheap guitar. Oh. You know, so uh, I haven't been to a doctor who prescribed me tequila Yeah. Uh and it's two different ways. Yeah. Uh, explain that lyric to me. Oh, we got cash in the picture here.
2: Um yeah, so it, it's just a play on words. So I you're kinda depressed, you don't have a lot of money. So you go to the doctor, you're like, hey, and he, he, he writes me a prescription for uh, uh Bottle of two bottles of tequila dressed and chilled, which is the way it's served. Um, you can have it naked, which is just straight up, you know, just right out of the bottle, or you can have it chilled and dressed, which is salt and lime on it. So, just that and more colored the lyric.
1: And know. is the doctor a real doctor or no, your no, friend a friend that's a bartender? A play, just
2: a play on words, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's just a bard, but the friend or the bartender, yeah, so, but it, it's just a fun song. Uh, looking at how evil can, uh, how money just kind of rules everything. Um, but then you throw in little lighthearted lines like that, you know. You know. So basically, money's got me down. I'm going to go get me a bottle of tequila and everything will be all right, you know.
1: <laughs> so the melody, you have these wonderful guitar fills. Yes. Uh, tell me how you come up with.
2: Well, those, um, that's actually uh, a really good story. Um, The guitar player on this song was one of the guest guitar players we had in town. His name is Jordan Matthew Young, and he now lives in Austin. But he's from Salt Lake originally, and he's really good friends with my current guitar player, Brock Peterson. So, and he's my friend as well, but Brock knows him better. And so I called him up and I said, hey, you know, I've got this real kind, because he's a really good uh, country picker kind of guy. And uh, so I said, you know, hey, me and Brock think you would sound really good on this song. Would you like to do it? And he's like, yeah, but he was on tour, and he was coming through town. So we had one night to do it. He'd never heard the song before. And I said, well, let's meet at Brock's house, because he has a, a kind of a setup like I do. And he said, okay. So we went over there and played in the song a couple times, and he just literally just played, just listened to it a few times and just kept playing until he got something he liked and left. Never heard it until it came out. <laughs> you know, like like nine months later the album came out and I sent it to him. Wow, that sounds great. He's like, oh man, it sounds so good. Uh, Matt Weiniger did do a lot of mixing on it to get it be parts. Because we recorded three or four different guitar parts that he had to kind of piece together. Uh, which is pretty common on a lot of albums. People do that. Um, then they just learn to play it, you know, later. And sometimes you just play it straight through. It just depends on the song. But he just didn't have time to perfect it. So we said, just play it three or four times and we'll Pick, cherry pick it you know make it but some great riffs he did and he's a phenomenal guitar player he still he just was in town uh this week and uh he just got back from europe he's turned touring over in europe he was doing a blues festival over there in france so he's kind of coming up a bit and uh, a great guy great player and it was it was great to have him on it you know and then the late my late uh bass player passed away um this year he's playing the upright bass the big stand-up bass on this one so that kind of gives it that sound too, that really woody, nice, nice sound, you know. His name? Sparky. Sparky
1: Tuttle. Yeah. Yeah, we miss him.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we do. He he was a great, just a great all-around guy, great bass player, great, just a great, and a good friend. You know, for 10 years he was in the band. So, you know, I, you, not only do we do band things, but we did, you know, fishing and camping and, you know, concerts and all that fun stuff. We, we have some... Uh, Really funny stories about going to see uh, Willie Nelson, but I can't go into that. Did you smoke weed with Willie? <laughs> no, I, I would have if we'd have met him. And I don't smoke anymore, but I would if I was in Willie's house. You know what I mean? Uh, my bass player would have. He, he, he would have been like, oh, I, in fact, he did. It, it, just because we were going, he's like, went in Willie's house. But <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So and the the drums uh, were Gordon Gardner, uh, current uh, one of the current drummers in Ghost Town. And like I said, Sparky Tuttle on bass and, um, and some, you know, in the background vocals again on that one, I believe if I remember right, it was Neil Middleton from Royal Bliss again. Um, so he did a great country harmony on that, even though he's a rock singer, he just nailed it. So that's one of the, the more popular songs off the record, off the latest record. That's off the, long way from Graceland album as well. And, uh. It's just got a really good feel to it. It's in three four. It's got that kind of country swing. It's just it's real, just kind of flowing. Everybody just kind of gravitates towards that one a lot on this album. So it's uh, I'm really proud of that one. Turned out really well. How's the crowd react when you play this one? They love it. Yeah, yeah. They're just like I said. It's just it's a, it's a favorite. They Is a
1: sing along. Um, I think the funny money line has that.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, can be. Uh, you know, I, you know, a lot of times you can't hear the crowd, you know, because <laughs> we're up on stage and loud amps and, you know, guitars. Yeah. And and so you're just you're trying to get through the song. And, you know, I guess if we were playing in an arena, yeah. you'd probably hear them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you're playing, like, uh, the last gig we did was a snowbird. There's a few thousand people there. But they're kind of further off the stage, you know. They're not right up on stage. So you see people, you always see people swaying and tapping and singing along. You can, you can see them mouthing it, but you can't, you know so but yeah it's just it's just a great song I'm really one of my favorites to play off that one it's just fun to play and I think it's fun for people to listen to it's really enjoyable
3: I smoke when I drink. And I only drink when I'm feeling blue. Yeah, I only smoke when I drink. And I only drink because of you. a thick, cloudy
1: So, I only smoke when, when I drink. drink. Yeah. Uh, so,
2: basically, I wrote this song in my car after a, a relationship breakup. And I was driving to an open mic. This was 15 years ago. Somebody had said something like, we were out the weekend before, and and, and we were out at a bar. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you smoked. They, oh, I only smoke when I drink. So, kind of stuck in my head. I'm like, Every, you know what? A lot of people say that, you know, I don't normally smoke, oh, when when I drink, I have a smoke, I'm like, "Oh, so I had the, the it kind of floating around my brain anyway, but then I was on my way after this breakup to a open mic, and I wrote that out you know I was like, "Oh, I only smoke when I drink, and then I only drink when I'm blue and I only smoke when I drink, and I only drink because of you, so basically you're smoking and drinking all the time, so but it is uh by far most popular ghost town song has been since I wrote it. I've had multiple people want to re-record that song. Nobody
1: famous yet, but if uh, you could pick someone to record that song, any voice uh, in the planet, oh, it, who it, would you want to uh, record that song? Dwight Yoakam,
2: he's my, my my country idol. I love it. Of course, you know if anybody wants it, I you know, <laughs> if I get a check with it, you know. <laughs> but to to hear him sing it, he'd put his own t- take on that. Any of the new kind of guys that I'm listening to, any one of those could take it and just make it incredible. You know, the Whitey Morgans or the Sturgill Simpsons and those those kind of guys. And they're kind of up and coming. They're big. Uh, Sturgill would do it. he'd do a killer job of that. But uh, like I said, anybody who'd want it, I'd be like, as long as it's not somebody really pop country because I'm not a, a fan. I don't know, I'd have to really think about it, but it it probably depend on the money. yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah,, Luke Bryant, no way, no way, um, but yeah, I uh, if what, some of those guys that really have character coming up you know, really led the life. Because I want somebody singing that that's led it, like I am, who's you know been down the road and you so know, do you remember the girl oh yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, tell me, about. were you madly in love were, uh... Uh, at the time, yeah, yeah, you know, um. How you long are you going out with her? Oh that- yeah, yeah. We went
2: out for quite a while, and and we were serious. I find on like the breakup songs, you don't only take from one breakup. Like I've been through multiple breakups. I've been married and divorced twice, and in between that, been in other relationships, long term. You know, you know, nine months a year, two years, whatever. So you kind of pick and grab from each experience. So it's not always just about one particular experience. Like with that one, that was fresh in my brain, but you kind of steal from other relationships and what's gone wrong there. So, and I still write about those because that's what a songwriter does. You know, you, you, Oh, I want to, you know, a breakup song. I have plenty to go back on (laughs) and plenty to fall back on and, and think, you know, even if I stopped drinking today, I could probably still write drinking songs till the day I die, you know, just because I have enough there in the catalog of my brain that I can go, Oh, I remember how this was or how I could do that, you know? And, uh, so it makes it good fun as a songwriter, even though it's dark and almost all my songs are dark. There's I don't write a lot of happy songs, and uh, you know, eight albums later, there's maybe a handful of happy love songs. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, why is it? And I, I just think when I'm happy, I'm not. I'm doing something else. You know, I'm not with my guitar. I'm playing live. I'm happy, but when I'm writing, it's generally I'm 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 alone and I'm writing and I'm thinking about you know, what to write about and things, but and I'm not going to write a song about going to the park and drinking beer and throwing a Frisbee, you know. It'd just be silly. (laughs) So I want songs that have meaning and depth even, you know, um, especially the breakup songs or the the drinking songs. They all have reality. They're all reality-based. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to it. So not so much in the last few years. I've toned it down, but in my early days, there was a lot of it.
1: Yeah, well, this lot. song has some blame on this girl. Like, yeah, you're yeah. blaming her. Right? Yeah, I only yeah. drink because of you,
2: <laughs> and I only smoke because of you. You know, but and yeah, so it's definitely there's a little bit of denial. It, yeah. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And it's it's like an excuse. It, and 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 there's some bitterness there. Yeah. You know, and so it's all those emotions you go through when it when it's a fresh breakup. You're you're bitter. You're jaded. You're you're angry. You're sad. You're so I tried to throw that all into this song. You know, and and just kind of portray. All those feelings into one and that's why you're drinking and smoking all the time is because you just can't get her off your mind and you're and and nothing is good about it you know like I said you're angry you're sad you're bitter you're just ah you're angry at yourself you're angry at her you, you know it it's it's all those emotions welling up and that's and I think that's that's why that song is so popular is because everybody's been down that road and when I first wrote it and I played it and instantly, everybody was like, whoa, that's a, that's a great song. And to this day, almost 20, well, 15 years later, we still play it at every show. It's usually near the end of the set, if not the very last song we do, because it kicks into that double time at the end. So it's a ballad, but then it kicks into the double time at the end. It gets everybody. And where, when it goes into that double time thing, that's more anger coming out. Is kind of how I portrayed it. You know, I only smoke like you're yelling at her. I only drink because of you, all, all, all because of you. So it kind of amplifies it, you know, and just, ah, and just, and everybody's going crazy on the instruments, you know, and it just in this chaotic mess, you know, and so it kind of crescendos into that. So great song. Great. Everybody loves it. Um, Like I said, probably the the most popular song to to date. Tell me about the production. Uh, This was on the Dry County album, which I believe was 2006. Uh, Mike Bayless was the lead guitar in the original recording. Now we have three recordings of this. The one that you have is from the Rehab album. We went in and re-recorded a bunch of the old old first three records. We went in and, and kind of cherry-picked some of the best songs and re-recorded them with the current band. So that was Joey Maggard playing on that. But the original Dry, Dry County album was Mike Bayless, um, Stefan Allen on bass on that, on the original recording. On this one, it was Sparky Tuttle. And then I have an acoustic version you can find on our website, which is ghosttown.com. Uh, Spelled a little weird. One T in the middle, E at the end. Um, with It's, a, it's an all-acoustic version I did. Live in the studio. Put a mic in front of me, and I just sang and played it. And then I had Matt Weiniger, the producer, Matt Weiniger played acoustic slide guitar through the whole thing. And so it's really country, and it's really um, stripped down. You can also find that version on the Rehab album as a bonus track. So I, I had this acoustic album done that I, that I never released. And so when we redid the Rehab album, I'm like, we did that version. And I'm like, I want something cool on there that nobody's heard. I'm like, oh, this acoustic album I did, it was about 10 songs, and I haven't used any of them because I just thought, uh, it's more like a solo project, you know? So I just didn't feel good about it. But I thought this is the perfect opportunity to throw a couple of those songs on the end of this album because they're all... Re-recorded versions, alternate versions from the original ones, and so there's two versions of that on the Rehab album: the, the one you just heard, and then the uh, acoustic one that you can find, which gets great reviews too. But it f- completely different feeling on either one. You know, one's just kind of lonely and sad because it's just me with a slide guitar, and then there's the full band one, which is more powerful. So you get you get two takes on it. So. But a great song nonetheless, and like I said, our most popular to date.
1: Keep on pouring till I say when
3: Sometimes you know you just can't win God's too busy to care if I sin So keep on pouring till I
1: say when Steven, the next song we're going to talk about is Keep On Pouring Till I Say When. Yes. This is part of your pantheon of drinking songs. <laughs>
2: yeah. we, we do have a lot of drinking songs. They're fun to write, fun to play, and a lot of people relate to them. Probably our most popular songs are our drinking songs for the most part. Hence the new album coming up next year. is all drinking songs. It's kind of a concept record. But this one's off the American Twang album. Uh, one of our more popular, if not our most popular song. There's one other drinking song that's probably it has been around longer. Um, but this one in particular um, was instantly a fan favorite as soon as we released it, and it's fun to play. Everybody, I think people can relate to it. You know, you're, it's just about having a bad day, and you know, you know, you walk up to the bartender and say, "Keep 'em coming," basically. Keep on pouring until I say, "Well, I've had enough," you know. And uh, so, you know, nothing too tricky about it. It's just a fun drinking song um, about having a bad day and just uh, gotta release some stress and go off some drinks hang at the bar, and just keep them coming until I say when. Uh, you talk about hellhounds?
1: Yes. I, where does that come from?
2: Well, in the line, hellhounds, hellhounds are barking outside the door. So it basically just means you're it's having a bad day, you know. It's, and then the next line is a face down. I feel like I need one more. So even though you're, you know, the hellhounds are outside the door and you're face down in the gutter, you're like, I think I'm going to have one more, so keep on pouring, you know. So it's just kind of as bad as it can get. You're like, I know it'll get better if I just keep drinking it away, so... It's, it's, a, it's a good concept with a, some great lyric in it, one of my favorite lyrics I've written, and just a great song. Like I said, a fan favorite. So.
1: Do you play this around closing time?
2: <laughs> no, we, we tend to play it uh, all over through the sets. We've actually opened uh, you know with this before. It's a good opening song because it's all a cappella at the beginning, um, and people don't expect that when you walk out on stage. I think we opened for Shooter Jennings once, um, and we came out and we started with that. And uh, people don't expect you. you just walk up and they expect you to, everybody kick in and you're right into the vocal. Everybody's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So, you know, and sometimes we'll do it in the middle of the set. Sometimes we'll do it at the end. So it's just, uh, it all depends on the songs around it, you know, because we we like a good flow live. So we, we tend to place it everywhere. But it is usually in the last set because it is a drinking song. And a lot of those are put near the end of the set, especially when we're playing a bar gig you know put a lot of the drinking songs in the last in the last set because everybody's on the same level as us at that point <laughs>
1: you know? the bartenders have to get tips
2: yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> tip your bartenders and and here's another drinking song so yeah it's a, it's a fun fun lyric um there's some great lines in there you know the line straight up i, I need to kick a few back cool off with something in a tall glass pretty you know it just tells you the, the beginning of the story um but there's a line in there about falling off the wagon. You know, everybody, you know, the term, I'm on the wagon, I'm not drinking. It says, I fell off the wagon, landed under the wheels. So, I mean, basically, you fell off the wagon and it ran you over. So, just some fun lyric. Um, just kind of based, everything's based off of drinking in this song. You know, every line has a little tie in there. Life is a long walk on a short pier. A friend of mine told me that once and it stuck in my head. You know, I thought, wow, that's a great line, you know. And I held on to it for years. And I'm like, oh, it'll fit in here, you know. It's... Because he said, you know, because it makes sense. Life's a long walk on a short period. You you know, you think it's long when you're in it. But in all reality, if you look back, it's really short. So it kind of has a great kind of double meaning. And I really love that line. And I held on to it for years. And it just fit this song so well I put it in. And he's passed uh, as well a few years ago. So... It's good to have a line that he gave me on it, you know, just as a as a remembrance. When I sing it, I'm like, oh, I remember Kevin. So, yeah.
1: And so, tell me about the production and who's in the melody and who's on um, it. the guitar lines. This are one on uh, this album, it was Sparky Tuttle, uh, who's you know been with us for ten years. Um,
2: the bass player we discussed in the past recently. Uh, Joey Maggard was the guitar player on this record. He was with us for about eight or nine years in the band. Um, he left after the rehab album. He left, and then Brock Peterson joined. But that, uh, Joey's playing lead on this, and he's the backing vocal as well. It, you know, we all went in live and just busted it out till we got it right. It was just one of those songs, you know. Just went in, said here you we know. Of course, we rehearsed it and got it down. Then we went in and here we go, and we you know, ran through it till we got it right. So it turned out really well. It was probably the, the most popular song off that record. That and the American Twang. The song itself, called American Twang, was very popular um and then sparky tuttle had a song that he wrote and sang there's only two songs that i haven't sang in the history of ghost town and they were and they were both on that record the guitar player had one that he sang and then the bass player had one that he sang so so it was a, it was a different record for us because we had different voices on there singing lead which has never never happened before so but yeah it was it's it's a great song um the american twang album is a great album uh Proud of all of them, but as I think as the albums have gone along, they've gotten better. I think my songwriting has gotten better, my lyric, my lyricism has gotten better, my arranging has gotten better, and I'm always striving to do something a little different. Um, what haven't I done yet? I did that a lot on the <clears throat> on the Long Way from Graceland album, where I said, "Oh, I haven't written a song about this yet," or "I haven't done, this. I've never done an arrangement like this," and so I would really push myself to do that. You know, I'd hear a song in the radio. Wow, that's a really cool arrangement. I've never done anything. I'm going to try to write something with that, a similar arrangement to that. And the breakdown on this was really cool. You know, that something a little different, you know, the the muted part. And it's kind of acapella-ish, like the beginning, but it, it's more driving with the guitar. And it kind of gives it a breakdown and lets it breathe a little bit. And it builds up into the big ending. So, really great song. I'm I'm really proud of that one.
3: The bitch man but she don't care she's up and gone with a flick of her hair let her roll let her roll let her ride the boss man says you're not working enough you're riding your ass from dawn to dusk let her roll let her roll let her ride let it ride
1: Okay, Steven, we're going to talk about Let It Ride? Yes. Another ballad, uh, just
2: a song about having a shitty day once again, but, you know, basically don't sweat the small shit. Uh, It's the whole, uh, in Umbrella, that's what the song is about. You know, life's a bitch, man, she don't care. She's up and gone in the flick of her hair, so life's too short. So don't let it get, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, Great song, great lyric. uh, Very popular song off the new album um everybody seems to relate to it you know everybody everybody listens to it oh that that really is a great song it really says a lot it's a simple song but it says a lot the the melody is nice the the lyrics are pretty pretty simple but it just portrays a great message you know hey just don't don't sweat the small stuff you know you trucks running out of gas you're, you're down to your last cigarette you know your dog chewed up your favorite pair of boots you know those those are things that you can fix, you know. So don't don't sweat the little things because
1: uh,
2: it's just not worth it in the long run, you know. Did any of these things happen to you? Oh, I've been down it, yeah. Or all down, of them? All of them, basically, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think in at one point or another in everybody's lives, they've had a a, a part of their life where they're uh, running out of gas, paydays a day away. I think at some point, almost everybody's been in a position like that where they're just not feeling great about things you know and and it tends to build but it's always small things you know and and if you i found over time if you don't let the little things get to you life is a lot more enjoyable you know so let it roll let it ride you know cuz life's too short to be so damn uptight just like it says so because you know i have friends that are really hung up on that and it just destroys their day it's like why let it control you like that so i wrote a song about it i'm just like you know don't don't let don't sweat the small shit. Just get, you know, just move on. Nothing you can do about it. Just m- make your life better and and do what you can do. Great song. Uh, musicianship on it was great. Um, bunch of guest stars on this one. Tell me who. Um, Eric Fields, uh, the current Ghost Town drummer, is the drummer on it. Johnny Lightfoot is the bassist from Air Supply and multiple bands. He's, he's a big name. A lot of people know his name. On um, the lead guitar is Taylor Richards from Royal Bliss. Uh, 12-string guitar is Memphis Hennessy from Royal Bliss. Um, He was also in Candlebox for a while. The backing vocal was by Walter James, again, another good friend of mine. He was on uh, Long Way From Graceland the song as well. He does that great counter melody in the back that's just really beautiful. So just great musicianship all the way around. Uh, Piano was Rich Wyman. I don't know, he's very popular. He lives in Park City, tours the world. Most people know who he is locally. Another really good friend of mine that came in and and played on four or five songs on this album just came in never heard a song just popped in suit put the headphones on play me some songs and he really and and you know a lot of times I like the artist if they're guesting, to to pick the song because I want them to feel something in the song I don't oh, here's the song I picked for you I'd rather so I usually play them multiple songs and say let me know when one stands out and every single one of these guys that when this song came up they said that one so. You know, it makes you feel as good as a songwriter. These great musicians come in and say, "That's a great song. I want to play on that one." So, you know, it just kind of and it came together and sent it off to Matt Weiniger to mix, and he even said, "Wow, this is a great song." So, and a lot of people, like I said, uh, really react to it and really like they get the message. You know, hey, it's a good reminder. You know, don't sweat the little things. So, pretty simple song, got kind of a Simple thing, but uh, but a great song and and one of my favorites.